everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 140th episode of the podcast that is taking you through all of the Marvel superhero comic book adventures from the beginning with the Fantastic Four number one in November or I think it was like August or something, 1961. And we have made through over five years of comics. We're in November 1966, and we're going to be bringing you today Tales of Suspense 86, Fantastic Four 59, Amazing Spider-Man 45, and Strange Tales 153. So you know that website? I know you know it. Marvelreading.com? Oh, yes. Hey, Travis. I, uh... I like to plug in what we read on this show in there, you know, get some credit because it, mm-hmm. it lets you track what you've read and gives you little badges and it's fun. But yeah, I like your badges. But they uh, they do a different order than you and I do because we just do it by week chronologically, right? And they just mm-hmm. they lump a lot of things together. So when I get to an issue I haven't read yet, I just stop, even though there's probably issues I have read ahead of that, right? So okay. I've been stopped for a very long time and finally got to hit read on a Hulk that we finally read. And that like opened up the floodgates and I, it knocked me all the way back to Journey into Mystery because they were grouping all those secondary stories together. Oh, so like if you're going through the chronological order yeah. of stories, there was like one story that they had put in the chronology that we had not covered for a while. Yeah. So I just stopped and, and waited. So all those other stories we were reading mm-hmm. were getting backed up in the flow. Okay. Okay. So it's like all the way back to Journey in the Mystery. When was the last time you read Journey in the Mystery? And it's like, man. It, it's It's been a minute. And that really, uh, you know, I don't know how many more new badges I got, but it certainly gave me a lot more credits. Do you know about how many checks you checked while you were sitting there checking checks? It seemed like it was like 15, 20, 25 comics. <laughs> Okay. Because, like, yeah, just bottlenecked by this weird Hulk issue, I guess. All right. Um, well, we are back to me in, fir- in front because of our uh, odd number of comics last episode. So I have a fantastic Captain America cover, quite possibly the very greatest action issue of the year. We're not talking about Captain America first. Oh, no, sports fans, comics kids. We are going to be talking about the Death Duel for the life of Happy Hogan, the Invincible Iron Man. There is no recaption box, but the story is by Stan Lee, huh. the art by Gene Colan, inking Frank Jacoya, lettering Sam Rose, and a nail-biting Irv Forbush. And this is a total continuation, too. It's kind of surprising they don't recap it. Very much a continuation. So, uh, real quick recap. Happy Hogan, dressed as Iron Man, was teleported, abducted by the Mandarin to his facility in Asia. Um, Tony Stark crafted a new Iron Man armor that looks very much like the old Iron Man armor and uses it to go after the Mandarin. So, we open with them facing off together as uh, um, some of the Mandarin's minions drag Happy Hogan Iron Man out of the way. So the Mandarin and Iron Man fight. Yeah. Next ish, the crisis. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not that easy. Well, it's not much more complicated than that. The fight's over, though. Um, you didn't say who won or who. How yeah, he won. yeah. The Mandarin does lose the fight. Um, there is uh, a missile that China is um, that's being launched at China. They don't realize because you know the Mandarin. He is located in China, but he's not actually affiliated with the Chinese government. They consider him a, 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 a threat. So um, 
in the place where Happy Hogan is bound as Iron Man, um, Iron Man goes down after knocking out the Mandarin and finds out that they've been launching a missile towards, um, towards China. So Iron Man, um, punches some people, goes after the rocket, redirects it back to the Mandarin. And does he grab Happy? No, he, hold on. He, he programmed Happy to go home. That's right. He does that. program. Yeah. He's, he's, he kneels over Happy Hogan's body, programs his boot jets to steer Happy Hogan home, goes after the missile, grabs it, 180s it, and it hits the Mandarin's castle and kills him. And we never have to read a Mandarin issue again. That's how he died. Um, huh. actually, honestly, he does appear in the first Avengers annual, but he does not appear again in Iron Man for two years. Oh, groovy. So this is the are, be all end all. Yeah, this is basically the end of the of the Mandarin, and unless we make it through two more years of comics, which we've made it through five, so you know it could happen. We could. Yeah, I mean the art is great, but mm-hmm. uh, do you think they'll ever retcon and explain that it's not really the his mad karate skills that let him hurt Iron Man, but that like one of his power rings gives him super strength or something? Because I really hate I would the karate. Love that thing. to be the case, because if you hit metal. <laughs> I mean, do they just think that if you're really good at karate, you can hurt brick or something? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, people do like chop through boards and stuff, but like, I have to imagine that they're swallowing some pain when they do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I just don't like this idea that like, that like Shang-Chi or whatever can karate chop Iron Man. Like, that would work. Unless Shang-Chi has some sort of mystical powers, or I, I think he doesn't. I think he's just no, straight up fighter. He's just a straight up. Kung Fu guy, I think. Iron but, Fist has like the magical fist of Sure, you know, that would make sense, you know. Use the fist. But yeah, I don't I don't like that he just karate chops Iron Man all the time. It's like ugh. And they don't it's, they still haven't given us like a rundown on his rings. They're just so random and Yeah, I honestly think they're avoiding that because they wanted the rings to be able to mm-hmm. he has ten of them, right? You don't know what they were. <laughs> like the ice thing was pretty cool on page four. I liked that. Right. Like, if he does that again. But I also like that Iron Man can just, you know, heat up. That was pretty smart generating heat should be pretty easy to do with his costume yeah but what i kind of thought was weird is like at some point he's like oh i guess i'll have to use this technology i have to beat him i was hoping to do hand to hand but i'm gonna do this machine instead but fate has willed otherwise well fate has had iron man beat you 10 times so why don't you stop trying to beat him if you care about fate but aside from that after iron man gets through what the machine does which is try and uh uh put steel walls and crush him you know mm-hmm. And I really liked what he said there. He's like, yeah, you may have made the wall steel, but you forgot to make the ceiling and the floor equally steel. So like when I push on this, it breaks everything. You're that stupid. That was some cool logic because yeah. your steel walls can be as strong as you want them to be. But what's holding them? Mm-hmm. What's supporting them? Yeah, I like that too. Is that as strong as steel? Yeah. I like, I like smart Tony. That's good stuff. But then like after that, Tony comes in and he turns his machine off. And then he takes his Iron Man gloves off and he's like, it's just going to be you and me, mano y mano. But it's like, no. Mandarin still has his rings. Why doesn't he mm-hmm. freaking use them? But I guess he doesn't. Because he's honorable. I guess. But it just Not made really it seem that. like since he turned his machine off that that somehow made Mandarin powerless, which was weird. Yeah. I'm looking at that fight on page nine and in the battle between flesh and metal, flesh is not going to win. So the idea that he could just fight this armored dude with his hands, I don't, yeah, I agree with you. I don't like it. I intended to beat you hand to hand, no tricks, no weapons. That's why I'm switching your equipment off, but you still have your rings, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, that's all I have to say about this. It, 
it was a fight that lasted 12 pages and it was fun to read. The dialogue was not overbearing. No. Um, but it was just, it was just a fight. Okay. So I've been marathoning James Bond. Okay. I'm almost done. Got three more to hit this weekend and I'm done. Um, one of the plots that is often, not often, but sometimes is trying to create a world war or whatever, you know, like Spectre or whatever is going to like make the East and the West fight each other or Russia and the United States fight each other. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me think, what do they gain from that exactly? And then here's the Mandarin doing the same thing. They're like making it seem like America attacked China or vice versa. But like, how does that help Mandarin if everybody's fighting? I guess. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't really know how that's going to help him. Other than be um, jerky. But like, right. Yeah. And that's part of his thing. I mean, as a terrorist, I mean, I guess part of your job is to be a jerk. But he's that's not. What you do, right? I mean, I can see if he's like a weapons dealer. That's great. Create war. Mm-hmm. Or he's the god of war. That's great. Create war. But he like he wants to take over the world. So is he just hoping that everybody kills themselves and then he's left? Maybe. I don't know. And I feel like this weapon also, this missile thing that kills his castle wasn't all that big. So I don't know that I would have created a World War Three anyway, because Iron Man just flies away no problem. So it wasn't really a nuke or anything. No, it wasn't. But I, I think just the act of one of mm-hmm. our quote-unquote enemy nations launching a missile at us, as soon as we detected that missile heading toward us, yeah, we would not have waited to see if it was nuclear. We would have launched missiles back. Yeah. All right. That well, was the whole fear during the Cold War. Just kind All of right. another uh, Mandarin, except at least this time Iron Man decidedly wins in the end. So, Mike, do you remember the last um, Captain America story where they brought back um, Agent 13? Yeah, Batrock set them up on a date. Batrock. Right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. And it ended with next issue, The Secret. And you're like, oh, okay, they're finally going to address uh, you know, the secret of who this woman I is. I forgot about that part. That's I, not what happens. I was going to say, I was going to say this issue. I couldn't, I did. I did ultimately remember what happened last story, but I did feel this issue was kind of jarring. Like I was not expecting us to be going this direction. The title is a betrayal. Um, the yeah. secret, our scene, the Yashonka arms research center somewhere in the Orient, our star, a silent stalwart Avenger named Captain America. Our pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States. No, our pledge, high powered action and thrills produced with pandemonium by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby inking by Frank Jacoya lettering by Artie Semek. Now, yeah, this story has nothing to do with Batrock, nothing to do with agent 13. Um, in fact, Captain America thinks about her a few times while he's doing this. And he has to talk to her when he calls shield report at the end. But yeah, other than that, nothing. Um, Okay, so... Yeah, it's like nothing about nothing. But then that's kind of the cap TOS anyway, most of the time. He's attacking this Asian base, Yashonka. Mm. And we don't know where it is, but since it appears to be military and it appears to be communist military, we can maybe assume China. But of course, they're not going to say. Um, Captain America is just attacking them. He's like, okay, this is easy enough. Uh, tar- nice sparring practice with these guys. Um, he doesn't even say initially what he's there for. 
just starts out in action. break into the most closely guarded installation behind the Iron Curtain just for some sparring practice. Like, oh, I've got to find Agent 60. Yeah. Okay, so he fights people. He fights robots. He fights people who are driving robots. He picks up um, capsules and throws them at robots, and they turn into explosions. And then he finds um, a military uh, higher-up officer, uh, Colonel, Colonel Kurochin, and says, um, hey, what's up? And the colonel turns around and draws a gun on him. But Captain America goes, hey, I know who you are. You're S.H.I.E.L.D. Special Service Agent 60. And Kurochin is like, Captain America, how did, how did, how did you get here? Um, a girl sent me here, a very special girl. I like her a lot. She's got blonde hair that smells like happiness. And you know, her eyes just do these crinkly things when she smiles. And she's one of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s most trusted female agents. Yes. And Kurochin is like, oh, yeah, I know the one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's only one. She was about to contact you herself when Batrock the Leaper captured her. So I guess it technically does follow up on that Uh plot, but only like nominally. It's very loose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, he has documents that S.H.I.E.L.D. wants, the uh, plans for the Z-Ray. And yeah. He's supposed to have destroyed the Z-Ray and they hadn't heard from him. And then when Cap right. gets there, the guy's like, yeah, I haven't been able to do it yet. Haven't got around. It's supposed to be next Tuesday. It's really hard to get in there. Um, so other officers come in, says that Captain America's at large. And he's like, what, you think I'll let him in here? And like, oh, I'm so sorry, Colonel. We'll, we'll leave. But um, after they leave, Colonel's like, I know they're going to figure out that it's me. I know they're going to figure out that I'm the traitor. I am afraid. Do you hear me? I've been too close to death for too long. Being a double agent is hard. And uh, he basically is frozen with fear. He's like, leave me, save yourself. Tell people that S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent 60 is through forever. And Cap's like, okay, dude. Um, I guess if you want me to go, I'll, I'll, I'll go. So they shoot the uh, door open. Captain America comes out, S.H.I.E.L.D. blazing. Um, he fights officers. It's all really cool and action-packed. He grabs a flying arrow car and flies away. Um, but Agent 60, he, um, let's see what, I know he dies here. What does he, he do? Do they just shoot him? He just dies. Yeah. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah. So he's like shooting people out his window, but they shoot him instead. He's like, I shall not have died in vain. The secret of Yashonka, the continent, the continent shattering Z-Ray is a secret no longer. At the last moment, when it counted the most, I found my courage and now the fate of the world may rest upon the shoulders yeah, but see, of but see, what Captain is, America. What does that mean? I don't get it. Like, did he I send out a message or something? Well, he gave Captain America papers, but like, okay, if the Z-Ray still exists, if it's been built, it has. that's a problem. Yeah. So he didn't really do anything, I guess. And he didn't find his courage. He shifted the <laughs> responsibility. I have well, courageously he, passed yeah. the buck. It makes us out this panel. I mean, I, now we're getting into it before you even finish, but it makes this, these panels seem like he did some sort of sacrifice to help Cap out and found his courage. But he kind of just got caught and shot, in my opinion. Well, what he does do is he flies over to where the Z-Ray is mm-hmm. and blows it up real good and then yeah. flies home. Yeah. He calls to talk to um, Agent 13. Tell a certain blue-eyed blonde she's got a dinner date tonight with a certain Avenger. Mm-hmm. And um, response is, well done, S.H.I.E.L.D. star. Lady in question, not present on new assignment. Top secret. Sorry, Avenger. He's like, after all this time, have I finally found her at last, only to have lost her again forever? Yikes. And it's just like, oh my gosh, Cap. Relax. He said she'll okay. be back later, for freaking sake. 
So the secret was the secret of the Z-Ray. Which nobody thought about, knew about until this issue. So, so much for that being even a secret. Like, who cares? Right. That said, I enjoyed the story. I mean, I don't know that it gave us any character development or anything, but then half of these don't anyway. So what does that matter? It's just full on Kirby action, which is great. Uh, 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 I like the idea of like them having an agent who was supposed to do it like discreetly, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, we haven't heard from him and it's getting to be too late. So let's just send the one man army in to take care of it. Not discreetly. And you have a lot of stories of the agent on the other side fighting courageously and dying with bravery and everything else. You know, we try mm-hmm. to go save them and they, they don't make it out. We don't usually tell the story about the guy who, yeah, I was double agenting, but man, I, 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 I've been broken. This is, yeah. this is too hard. Yeah. So it's, I feel like it's okay they're doing this story. And I think it sits really well next to the, um, the Jim Morita issue that we talked about last episode where, you have, you know, a Japanese American who uh-huh. is pretty awesome. Is this the first time? I mean, he seems like he's working for Shield in this story. He also says he's just doing a favor for a beautiful blonde lady who smells like rainbows or whatever. But mm-hmm. this is like kind of the first time he's Captain America working for Shield, sort of. Yeah, which I is going to be a thing. The, yeah, as I start the recap, I was like, he's actually running a Shield mission here, mm-hmm. which we had never seen him do before. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. I liked their code names at the end. It was uh, what is it? Uh, Shield Star calling Eye Patch. That was cute. That was cute. Um, and uh, Nick Fury's like, "No, she's out. Sorry, I can't talk to her." What do you think of Cap just kind of like backing away slowly and continuing? Like, I guess he kind of had to. But part of me is like, "Can't you help save this guy?" I mean, he's obviously wrecked, and but I don't know how you would like because he still had the rest of the mission to plow through, and there's like all kinds of things he had to beat up and fight and get his way to the Z missile thing. So having that guy like hanging on his back probably wouldn't have helped, but yeah, it does make you wonder though. And there's two ways of answering that or, or looking at that question. One is, you know, what did Captain America have going on in the story? And one is, well, you could write the story however you want to. Well, um, true. So within the story, I think you're right. Captain America has a lot going on. He does not have a lot of time nor resources nor space. Um, so having a guy dragging along would not be very easy. Um, but also you could have just written this where he goes over and, you know, oh, no, no, no man gets left behind. Yeah, totally. You know, you can, you can, you can rest when you're sleeping tonight at, at yeah, home yeah. In, in New York. I need you, man. Here, take this. Or, or even pulled the whole, like, stupid, you know, make somebody angry in order to get them to, <laughs> to fight someone. Yeah, what are you? I did like his thought bubble of I've seen this a dozen times and, it's called combat fatigue. And like, that makes sense that he has seen people break down before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he's like, but you were one of the greatest. Don't ever forget that as I leave you here to die. And you're agent 60. So you're probably 60 years old. And then later in the issue caps, like thinking about how he's dead. It's like, but you didn't see him die. So you just assume he's dead. I guess that's a good assumption. Like how could he live? Yeah. They, with all the firefighting. So captain emo, Cap- I'm sorry. I lost you for a second. Go ahead. <laughs> captain emo. He is a little bit, has he even talked to her yet, do you think? Yeah, they had that last panel where they're hanging out together in the window. Okay, watching okay. Ba- watching Batroc escape. But I was yeah, thinking until a certain blue-eyed it. blonde, she's got a dinner date tonight with a certain Avenger, and he's like never even talked to her about that. So like, uh, no, he's like, tell I mean, her we're romantic now. Oh, no, I think she was interested. I don't remember if they said that out loud, though. That's a good point. But uh, they were like kind of canoodling on that last page let me see i'm gonna really quickly he's gone at least for the present i can never truly hate him 
for he brought us together again, and she's holding him. So there's indication that she's into him, at least. And I was... I honestly didn't get it until just this last second, but when he says, I finally found her at last, I, I, I didn't know what that meant, but it's probably from the first time he saw her with Batrock mm-hmm. and then through the following weeks until he found her again, last issue. Now we could say when I first read it and he's all like, Oh, only to lose her forever. It's like cap. She's just on a mission. She'll be back tomorrow and you guys right. can go out. But then I thought, well, it's a shield mission. So maybe he's just legit worried that she's going to die or something. Could be. Because we don't People know what do she worry does. about that. Yeah, and like, you know, so far he's only met her failing missions. All right. Um, but we'll have to keep a pin on that because I have a feeling, and because I have a feeling because I've read it, that like he's really bad about her career. He is actually <laughs> really bad about so, her career. You are so right. this is the beginning of that, probably. Shall we go into the very inappropriate cover of the Fantastic Four? Oh, my God. So this is part three of Doctor Doom possessing cosmic power and ruling the world. Last issue, he beat the Fantastic Four and left them embarrassed. So this issue, I open up that first cover, and it's the frickin' Inhumans. It's called Doomsday. It's called Doomsday. Frickin' it's an Inhumans, Inhumans cover. It makes me not want to read it when I was excited to read it. Mm-hmm. In this earth-shaking issue, the Inhumans break free. Ugh, Okay. Yeah, it is called Doomsday, so Tremble Superman. A Stanley Jack Kirby modern-day masterwork. Delineation by Joe Sinnott. Lettering by Artie Semek. And there's just the three of them. Human Torches with Wyatt. We'll get to that in a second. But um, Reed Richards is making an address to, I think, the world and saying, you know, we all have to unite against Doctor Doom. But then he also makes another little monitor Zoom chat thing with... um, the allied chiefs of staff. And he basically asked them, assemble your army and get everything ready, but don't interfere because I'm pretty sure your army and everything being ready isn't even going to stop this Dr. Doom anyway, but just for backup. But we are going to try our best to Fantastic Four the heck out of this situation. So they're all like, okay, we'll wait for you. And then like he gets all morose and literally just like you were talking about, the thing makes him angry so that he, so that his, uh, is like a uh, 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 passion is flared up and he's ready to become Mr. Mr. Fantastic again and figure out a way to solve this problem. Meanwhile, I don't know what country it is because they don't really say, but it seems kind of Asian or Indian or something based on the buildings. But they decide they're not going to wait for Reed Richards' word. They're going to just attack Latveria on their own. And when they win, the world will owe them a favor. So they shoot all their jets towards Latveria, but Latveria now is surrounded by these clouds that dissolve anything that touches it instantly. So whoops, they should have listened to Reed Richards. Dr. Doom rubs his hands together and says, ha ha ha, that was awesome. And then he visits the powerless uh, Silver Surfer who he has locked in a basement, it looks like. And Silver Surfer's like, ah, you don't deserve my power. And he's like, oh, shush up you. And he kicks him and stuff. He's being really mean. Meanwhile... The Fantastic Four. He is Dr. Doom. He is Dr. Doom. The Fantastic Four, while Reed is like struggling to come up with a solution and he's really having a hard time, he can't figure out what to do. They get a call from Wyatt Wingfoot and he's like, um, I'm out here in like the middle of nowhere and Human Torch is practicing really hard and he thinks that's going to work. So maybe you guys should talk to him. And true enough, the Human Torch is flying around super fast and like, like challenging an army just to see if they can get him and they can't. So he's like, I'm ready for the cosmic power of Dr. Doom because I can fly even faster than I could before. And Wyatt's like, I don't think that's going to work. But if you're hell-bent on going there and dying, I will go with you and also die. Cut to the Inhumans. Uh, Black Bolt flies up 
onto the top of the city, and he does a Babe Ruth point to, you know, the Negazone thing that's, like, keeping them all stuck in there. And Magnus runs out and says, no, don't do it. But uh, uh, Black Bolt covers his head with his with in his armpit, and he, for the first time ever, speaks. And the speak is so loud that it, like, shatters the Inhuman City, basically. But it also blows up the Negative Zone barrier, so now they are free. They have no city because it was destroyed, but they are free. And everybody's like, yay, Black Bolt. But uh, meanwhile, villagers in some eastern villages are not saying yay because Doom is flying around on a surfboard creating night where it was day. And he creates cold where it was hot. And he augments a gorilla to turn it into a monster for 24 hours just to ruin things. I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens, right? Um, Mr. Fantastic has created this little mechanical bat-looking Wijimaru. And the thing walks in and he throws it at the thing and it electrifies him. And that makes the thing mad. And he's like, sorry, I just want to test it. And the thing gets up to try and beat him. But it, he finds that he's fatigued. He's like, ooh, it's really working. Not only did it shock you, but it sucked all your energy and stuff. So maybe we could use this on Doom. Um, the Inhumans are like thanking Black Bolt as they stand in ruin. Um, and Crystal immediately is like, now I can go see Johnny. And the entire um, senior staff is basically like, we better go with her. So we're just going to leave everybody here in ruins. You guys build the city, and then we'll come back and rule it, okay? Because Crystal needs to go see Johnny. So they all leave. And then Magnus is left alone, and he's like, hey, I'll be king. Anybody want me to be king? But they kind of don't. And he can't really remember what his plans are because he's still kind of crazy. And that's really where we leave it. Mr. Fantastic and Thing are working on some Kirby-like doodad things, and the Doctor Doom is flying around with his cosmic power being Machiavellian. And we're having a part four on this next. The tide turns. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like nothing happened, but at the same time, I really like the setup. I, and, and, you know, you and I have a s- little bit of a disagreement on the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I enjoy them more than you do, but mm-hmm. this feels like the conclusion of that arc. Like was. they're finally out uh-huh. and the, the barrier has been broken down. So maybe they can go on to do something to do some new story mm-hmm. that might be more interesting, but the rest of it, like all the stuff with Dr. Doom and, and the fantastic four getting ready for him and everything. That was all pretty great. Well, the inhuman thing, like, I mean, unless they end up helping the fantastic four fight Dr. Doom next issue, I'm not sure why that had to happen here. I think it's just because it's been trailing onto the background. And- yeah. And You're right. Maybe there, there may be some sort of uh, serendipity of timing, mm-hmm. but um, I don't remember how it all connects and plays out. And don't you kind of feel like after you read the solution, you were just like, well, yeah, I was waiting for that. Why didn't he just do that all along? We knew the Black Bolt's whisper is like a nuclear bomb or something. Just just do that. I think that's a reveal. I here. think you're right. I was trying to think if that was true or not, because they did say last issue that Magnus knew his secret or something. They've been teasing about why he didn't talk and we didn't really fully understand why him um, speaking into that one absorber bomb was going to be a big thing. And then why he had to like redirect all the energy that was released from it. Um, The problem with all of this that I have, Mm -hmm. they are so excited. Ding dong. The witch is dead that their barrier is broken. Mm -hmm. They're free now, Mm -hmm. free to explore the world outside. Mm -hmm. Remember how the Inhumans weren't trapped in the barrier before? Mm -hmm. They were just living peacefully in their city. Mm -hmm. But now suddenly their barrier is gone. They're like, there's a world. 
Yeah, they didn't want to mix with the world last I checked. Right. They were very isolated intentionally. And why did Medusa leave us? And why is the king out there? And oh, here's the crown. You can be king now. But I also hate that the entire royal family is then just like, okay, all you peasants, you take care of rebuilding the city. We're going to leave at your most crucial time of need. Like, yeah, Chris all of like, us. I can go, all of us. I can go after Johnny. She's, you know, adolescent. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she's going to want to go after Johnny. But why is everybody else going to go? Like, they could have either said, A, not right now, Crystal. Or, B, they could have said, okay, well, Triton, you go with her. But the rest of us are going to stay here and try and lead our people into a new life. Now that we've destroyed yeah. everything. Well, Gorgon comes in and gives a somewhat official sounding reason. The Council of Elders has made a decision. Um, we are to separate. The six yeah. who form the royal family in court will enter the world of humans. Why? Our brethren will remain. And I don't know. Until the glorious day when we shall all be together again, proud and united once more. Like Entering the world of humans sound like a diplomatic, sounds like an ambassadorial setting. But I don't know if that's what they're actually going to do or not. I assume it's for Crystal, because they earlier say we can't let Crystal go by herself. We must join her, Black Bolt. Right. That's like that's really just like, silly. That's a lot of people just to help. Like, just send Karnak. She'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Fact, like, I Crystal can't the, take care of herself. I think, it's ex- I think yeah. in the TV show, that's exactly what they do. They send Karnak and Crystal. What oh, are well. Crystal's powers? Oh, she's an elemental, right? Yeah. She's, she's elemental, right. yep. But has she developed or displayed any of that yet in these issues we've read? Or is she just and the a first appearance. teenager? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because Johnny was impressed. Hey, you got powers and you're hot? Yeah. Oh, Johnny. Like, every time Johnny does dumb stuff, I at first I'm like, that's dumb. But then I think, oh, well, it's Johnny. So it kind of fits. It's fine. Sorry, bad coughs. Um, so, yeah, his idea Had- that if, if he just practices really hard, he can take on a cosmic power doom by himself. And we'll find out. Um, sorry, I coughed off mic and now my voice is all ruined. Hold on. Okay. I'll be back in a minute. Uh, not in a minute. Like, I'm not leaving the show, but my voice is all, ah. So, yeah. Next issue, the tide's going to turn. Um, there's a really, really, like, ominous, morose dinner between the three of the Fantastic Four. And the thing is, like, y'all are y'all are horrible to have dinner with. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's been the Fantastic Free- Three for quite some time, seems like. Yeah, Johnny and Wyatt are off gallivanting around the continents and dimensions mm-hmm. with their dog. And they don't even have the dog now. No, where'd, where'd that go? go? I don't know. Where did the dog go? Did he take them to the Doctor Doom fight and then bail? Oh, is that what happened? Yes, maybe that is what happened. I think Johnny would have said something. Well, now that the Inhumans are out, like I guess they can all reunite as the Fantastic Four again. Or the Five. So it, it does bring the question, you know, the storytelling reasons, like you said earlier, are the Inhumans going to help in the battle against Doctor Doom? Or are they just positioning themselves for their own Fantastic Four story after the Doom fight? It's just kind of weird. You would think Black Bolt would be pretty beneficial, but who knows? Who knows? Okay, so now that we're back to where we started with the Inhumans. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I did write down, I did make a note that Medusa has a thought balloon that there's some sort of this idea of a mission that is stopping her. From joining Black Bull. She's like, there's too much to do. I can't I can't love you yet. So and I don't really I assume, know what that I, means. I assumed that meant we have a lot of royal duties right now because our city is in rumble. So I don't want to stop and hug him right now. Yeah, but maybe but it's you think, something like, more. After five o'clock when the dinner bell sounds that you're going <laughs> to sit down with your husband and right. have dinner? Yeah, I don't know. I don't she know. might still have a secret. Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Down, down, down. 
<laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 45. One of the wildest of all Spidey's battles. Spidey smashes out. Got the um, the lizard menacing a uh, wrapped Spider-Man because he, he wounded an arm last issue. So he has uh, given himself an X-Men insignia to hold his arm in place. Um, there's a lot of uh, f- flat webs in this issue. I guess that's just how Romita is drawing webs. Um, I just noticed it on this front page. I remember seeing it on the, you know, when I was reading it before. But last ish, we saw our friendly neighborhood Spider Man injure his arm while battling the deadly lizard. But with his super powered foe still at large, hoping to populate the entire world with an army of giant lizards, Spidey knows he dare not remain home nursing his wound. No matter what. Also, Aunt May is on vacation to some mysterious place we don't know where. Mm-hmm. Stan the Man Lee and John Ringading Ramita adventure in agonizing action. Lettering Sam Rosen, Web untangling, Irv Forbush. All right. So Spider-Man tries to find the lizard. In the meantime, he finds some people ripping off this delivery truck. So beats at the people, delivery truck guys like, thanks. Uh, back at the hotel where the Connors family is staying. Um, Martha hears the window open. It's like, oh no, what's that? And is it the lizard? And yes, it's the lizard. Uh, the lizard has come to Connors's lab to try to figure out how to make the serum, but he can't read the notes. His lizard brain is not very sciencey, So he starts smashing around the laboratory and Martha and, and Billy are like, oh no, what's going on? What's that sound? And Martha's like, um, um, I don't know. Uh, the wind was blowing. It made some things crash. I closed the windows. Now it's going to sleep. And Billy's like, I'm so scared. My dad might eat me. Hmm. Um, Frederick Foswell thinks that he should go track down Peter Parker to find out how he gets those pictures of Spider-Man. But Jameson is like, no, you're going to go get the lizard because I believe that that's real now. And Foswell's like, fine, I'll go chase Peter some other time. Betty and Ned are talking about who they're going to invite to the wedding. Uh, because the wedding between them is definitely going to happen in the near future. Um, Peter is like, I can't go to school with my arm in a sling. People will remember that Spider-Man's arm is in a sling, but it hurts so much. So, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to go with my arm in a sling and they can like it or lump it. And oh yeah, I painted my motorcycle super hot cherry red. Can't wait till Mary Jane sees it. She likes my motorcycle. She wanted me to paint it, and I did. Hope she likes it. Uh, so he goes up to college, and Flash Thompson's like, hey, I'm a jerk. Oh, look, Peter Parker is pretending to be Spider-Man because he has his arm in a sling. And Peter's like, yeah, that's great. Almost as funny as spraining your arm while driving a cycle. And Flash is like, yeah, this is what you get for driving a cycle, stupid. Um, and Harry's like, hope your arm feels better. Sorry you turned it down. Um, also... Hey, we're going to have a party. Gwen wanted me to make sure you knew. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to Flash. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Well, why didn't Gwen invite me to the party? And Harry's like, hey, ever since Mary Jane showed up literally seven minutes ago, we haven't really seen a whole lot of you. And Gwen doesn't think that you're around that much. And Peter's like, oh, but I like Gwen. She's so pretty. And she has a headband and her blonde hair and her smile makes my tummy warble. And so, yeah. But but Mary Jane keeps keeps popping up between us. Just you know that one time that they met last issue that she keeps on showing up. And meanwhile, Aunt May is um, 
chilling out, Max and relaxing all cool and playing some b-ball with the old people. Um, Spider-Man realizes that Lizard is probably on a train to follow the collection of reptiles from the zoo that's going to Philadelphia. He's like, oh, crap. Okay. So that's probably where the lizard is. I'm going to go to the train station. Sure enough, he goes to the trains and his spider sense goes off and he starts fighting the lizard and they fight and they fight and the baker and they fight and the lizard breaks open the collection of reptiles and is able to use his lizard powers of reptile control to send them all after Spider-Man. Meanwhile, uh, Anna Watson decides to take some food over to uh, Peter and Mary Jane's there. She's like, hey, you want to go with me, Mary Jane? And they're like, sure, I'll go with you. Peter's pretty cool. Even though he's just a little bit square. They go over to his house and he's not there. And uh, Mary Jane's like, oh, okay, well, uh, if I see him at the discotheque, I'm going to go dancing. I'll tell him what he missed. So she goes dancing. Meanwhile, Peter is dancing with snakes. And um, basically, he's able to get an idea. The train goes into motion and Spider-Man and Lizard continue to fight on the train, which is something, I don't know, I always really like fights on trains. Like, that's really cool for me. Anyway, he's like, oh, I know what I'll do. And he finds the car that feels a little bit chilly on top. So he opens the um, the roof and is like, yes, this is the car I need. And he jumps down and the lizard jumps down and they start fighting until the lizard starts slowing down because reptiles are affected very harshly by the temperatures of their environment. And if their environment turns cold, they get sluggish. It's what we call being cold-blooded, kids. And so he basically um, slows to a stop. Spider-Man webs him up, pulls the emergency brake on the train, um, grabs the train going the opposite direction, goes back to New York City, takes his webbed up lizard cocoon up to the Connors Hotel and uses the laboratory to uh, fix him up, um, turn him back into Kurt and the Connors family is all reunited. Hey, Spider-Man, you saved the day. And Curtis says, anything you ever need, I'll be right there for you. So Spider-Man swings away, and um, as he's walking home, Harry and MJ drive by, like, hey, what's up, Peter? And um, Peter's like, yeah, I'm fine. Can we, can we, can we drive you somewhere? No, I'm, I'm good. Okay, we're going to go party. And Peter's like, Mary Jane is always odd. I don't really like that as much as I thought I was going to like it, and I really wish... I could get more with Gwen and I haven't caught up on my studies the last couple of days like I was going to. And now, you know, life is just kind of crappy. Oh, but there's Mrs. Watson. Oh, you have soup for me. That's so nice. But my Spider-Man costume gets in the middle of everything. Throw it against the wall. And in the meantime, in another apartment, another section of the city, we see the Connors is and they're like, I'm sure Spider-Man has no worries at all. <laughs> Next issue, Peter Parker's pad. I don't mean iPad, kids. I mean a place to rest his head. I thought that said Peter Parker's dad when I first read this. And I was like, whoa. That's annual five. That's annual five. That's a ways away, yeah. I feel like, I mean, this was cool and I enjoyed it, but did it seem oddly paced or like overly crowded or something to you? Or was that just me? Like, it seemed like they were really packing it in on this one. Um, I, I can see maybe a little bit of what you're talking about. Like, Spider-Man... Other than action sets, Peter doesn't do a whole lot in this issue, and yet there's a lot going on around him. Well, and then the very end, like, like 
you had to summarize for a half hour just to cover that last night page 19, you know, because there's like so right. many thought bubbles. And it's like, God, maybe he could be morose about one out of 10 of these things. In this issue. <laughs> I don't know. But I liked it. I Man, John Romita is just really fun to look at for starters. Yeah, he does good lizard. He does good uh, emotion on faces. Good Spidey swings. Um, yeah, I like it. Right. Lots of good stuff. Spider-Man throughout has that um, sling on his arm. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. Remember the last time he like wore a web sling on his arm, but the web sling wasn't actually drawn in? Uh-huh. This one actually is. Um, Flash can die in a war. Yeah? I just yeah. I just I just really hate him. He I'm was tired kind of, of having nice one, huh? feelings for him. Yeah. For no reason. Just like that's how he greets Peter Parker. Hey, you're you suck. What's going on? And Peter's like, I'm okay. I'm just going to go now. And Flash is like, all right, buddy. See you later. You suck. And it's just like, Flash, come on. Yeah, he never lets up, does he? No. he does, He's not genuine very often, if ever. Um, now, if your new best friend, and they are friendly in this for the second time, which is cool, he and, he and uh, Harry Osborn. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, my dad's a chemist, and he can use a brainy science major as, part of, as a part-time helper. And Peter thinks about Gwen. And I'm thinking he should be thinking about something else when Harry brings up his dad. Like, oh, yeah. Was, okay. It's like zero I was thinking like that? money, but no, no, he doesn't even mention, oh, I could work for the Green Goblin. Right. Like that, there's no, I mean, are we just like, he's written off now, he's back to normal, it's all good, we don't have to worry about him anymore? Ever? We know that's not true, but maybe at this point it is. Yeah, and it does, I mean, to its credit, it does last that way for a while. Um, the Green Goblin's off the board for, for a while, I think, about as long as the Mandarin is. I think panel four might have been more interesting if it was a floating picture of the Green Goblin. He said, how can I tell Harry that his dad used to be the Green Goblin, but now he's not anymore, and he's still a weird psycho, and I don't like him. Right. That would have been cool. actually, the idea of going to work for Norman Osborn and Osborn Chemicals and everything, that, that should be appealing to him. As a budding science student. So why wasn't it again? I can't remember. He said because, uh, but I've got too many things to take care of. But one of the things that he laments in this is that he doesn't have any money. So you'd think that'd be solving a problem. Right. He needs a job. Mm-hmm. And that would be a job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember. I don't kids these days. Could the lizard control reptiles the last time we saw the lizard? Or is this a newfound power? No, he that was his thing last time too. In okay. fact, there was a very similarly composed the the big half page panel on page eleven. Mm-hmm. There was a shot very similar to that in the Ditko issue. Okay, when they were in that Spanish castle. Oh, that's and right. Was sending alligators after. That's him. right. I always forget that's one of his abilities that he can control other reptile things. But mm-hmm. and he al- wants to control all the reptiles of the world. It also seems kind of. Not super dramatic, like, oh, no, some crocodiles and snakes are coming after Spider-Man. Whatever will he do? Like, maybe just jump up on top of the train and ignore them completely, you know? Yeah. It's, like, not that scary, but I do like the train fight a lot. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. I think it's just, like, there's so many of them that... Well, I like that when Spider-Man uses his brains, too. Apparently, the the reptile... Reptile? The lizard is tough enough to, like, not even really be hurt by Spider-Man much, so... It it, it always kind of confuses me, the whole, like, his scaly skin is, like, armor. I mean, I don't know that that's how scaly skin really works on larger animals, but I also have not encountered that many. I feel like, I feel like if I punched a crocodile. It would hurt them. It would feel it. Yeah. It might hurt my hand, 
but I also feel like it would it would it would know it had been punched. Well, the art makes it look like he feels it, but then like the thought bubbles from Spotty is like he's not really feeling it, or he's not really slowing him down. Yeah, like the force of the impact knocks him back, but it's not actually hurting him. Mm-hmm. So that's something else I don't really think about. I don't think about when I someone says a lizard, I don't think about the fact that he can control reptiles, and I guess I don't think about the fact that he's like stronger than Spider Man. But I guess he is, at least in these issues. Right. Um, I thought the whole it's. Uh, uh, Mrs. Connors and Connors Jr. being in a room when the reptiles like breaking in and being scary. That was kind of dramatic and cool. It was was a very horror monster, right? Right. But then like later they're in that same room. And then I started thinking, are they just going to be drawn in this room for the entire issue? Like they're just in this room. That's it. Forever. They're never going to I also wasn't really sure what to call it in the course of my recap because like they don't live in New York City. No. This is his lab. it's Kurt's lab, so I guess Kurt does live in New York City because he's working a job here now. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's not really a hotel; it is his apartment. But yeah, she's in bed, and he's and the kids in bed, but the kids in the same room as she's in. So is it like his room with two beds, or does Connor and the wife have separate uh, "I Love Lucy" beds, and the kids just sleeping in there tonight because Dad's missing? It was just really like, yeah, it's like the scenario is or the setting is is confusing a little like where are they what is going on i do like um so we had the introduction of mary jane Mm -hmm. and i feel like that was something that had to happen Mm -hmm. it had been teased and teased and teased and ramita had to do it Mm -hmm. but once you have the initial pizzazz of mary jane Mm -hmm. it's obvious whom ramita wants peter to get with he wants peter to get with gwen Uh and they're working that direction they just got to get there what's cool is like I too was enamored with Mary Jane when they first introduced her. And now I too, like Peter, am kind of feeling like she's on all the time and it's getting old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, they're doing a good job of like telling that story. Of telling that story. Yeah. It's like, huh. I do think Peter is a little hard on her continually every time like he, he breaks things off with her and he's upset that she's okay with it. But yeah, there is this business of her just like perpetually smiling and saying beatnik stuff all the time. It's right. Like, uh, now, that said, here's some more hindsight that's not real, but I keep reading into anyway. I'll bet he'd be a real swinger if he'd let himself go. Huh? Huh? <laughs> she knows. She knows. Good call. Good call. Uh, but yeah, I still like her. But yeah, I was kind of feeling the same thing Peter was feeling there. Like, okay, freaking Mary Jane, can you just talk normal? Just be, tell a, me, just be a person. Tell me something real. Especially when he's all depressed right now and he doesn't really want to have light, fun, flirty conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, you're a Spidey guy. Most of the time, yeah. Like, he could just stop being Spider-Man for a little while. But is that, like, not possible because things show up on the news and he feels responsible and he has to go take care of it? Like, why can't he just say, you know what, for six months, I'm going to disappear as Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't matter. And then I can catch up on my homework and I get a job. And then when I have time, I'll be Spider-Man again. Like, no one can find um, him. Yeah, I don't know because I think the thing is is that he has this guilt complex. Yeah. Of if anybody gets hurt, yep. that I could have saved. Yep. I think so too. And yeah. So the lizard's out there and he feels like, okay, I know the lizard, I know the Connors is, I'm invested in this, I'm connected to this, and I know how to help. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of have to. And that makes sense. Like <clears throat> and the other option is, you know, you could say something like, Well, why doesn't he just Ask the Fantastic Four to take out the lizard, but then it's not his story. It's not his book, and mm-hmm. that just starts muddling. There's only up. so much you can do with that kind of logic. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense to me that it's frustrating, but yeah, he can't quit. 
But yeah, um, one thing about Ramita stories is they tend to be a bit lighter than Ditko stories. Um, as far as just like, I don't know. I feel like with Ditko, the pathos tended to get a bit deeper and a bit more rot. Mm. And while there's still certainly, you know, Peter Parker suffering, I don't always have as much like emotional reaction to like the nuances of that problem. Mm. I don't know. Well, he's, he's definitely unhappy in this one. <clears throat> yeah. He is throwing that costume around and really not wanting to be Spider-Man. And we're not that far away from a pretty iconic cover. By the way, bonkers Marvel first that hopefully will be last. There's a panel where the captions like fill in your own dialogue and it just has empty dialogue balloons. What the hell? So I was reading that to, to Keenan and we got there and it was like, um, you know, man, you sure do have a nicely defined butt there. And Martha's like, he does have a nice butt. Why Chris, can't yours right. be like that? What's a and, butt, and Dad? And Dad's like, gosh, Mom, Dad, come on. Yeah. And then Spider-Man's like, are you talking about my butt? Again. Yeah, that is just really weird. Like a choose-your-own-adventure. And you know what else that means? I bet this issue has been written on. By so many kids. By so many kids that it ruins you know, the value. That's funny. I wonder if this issue is like. I bet Corp had a, had a terrible time trying to find one that they could scan. I was going to say, I wonder if like 45 is uncharacteristically more valuable than 44 and 46 just because of that stupid panel. That would be really funny. All right. Well, I like that issue. That was cool. It's a pretty solid story. Yeah. Setting up Brings new Brings us to new our, our last book of the episode. So end with a whimper. Strange Tales, number 153. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Doctor Strange with a, with a very Starenko-y cover, uh, but still kind of quite not. But yes. Okay. It's called The Hiding Place. And let me blow this up. Seldom equaled editing by Stan Lee. Seldom suppressed... Scripting by Roy Thomas, seldom lacking layouts by Jack Kirby, seldom rivaled rendering by Jim Steranko, seldom legible lettering by Artie Simek. In the aftermath of combat, there are a number of fringe benefits that go along with the post of Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., and one of these is an occasional free shave. Um, so yeah, it's like that that secret entrance in the barbershop and he's getting a shave and he's reading the paper and he's smoking a cigar and his paper has like this cool... Apparently, it's elect- it looks like paper, but it's not really a newspaper. It's got like this cool electronic gadgetry in it. And a TV comes on and Sitwell's like, hey, we're transferring that uh, daughter of Hydra. And so then they have a flashback of all about that, like how she like betrayed her father, who was the original Hydra supreme ruler. And she helped Nick and she saved his life. And then like... They talk about how, like, last issue she got kidnapped and we barely saw her. And this issue we're not going to see her either. But the, the story is that, like, they let her go. Or S.H.I.E.L.D. is letting her go and they're transferring her somewhere safe. So Sitwell's doing that in a car with um, Gabe and the lady. I think she says one thing. But anyway, all of a sudden these Hydra motorcyclists come out of nowhere and their motorcycles are, like, auto-powered. So the guys can jump off of them and the motorcycles crash into Sitwell's car and Huh, everything blows up. Meanwhile, on a monitor is that guy, the new Supreme guy, who is really into killing the old Supreme guy's daughter. And remember how he has a second look in all of two issues? Well, now he's going to have a third look, but we'll get to that in a second. Because, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So that look, anyway, he's like, yeah, let me go put on my third look now. Um, Nick is working on a cool shield flying saucer. 
Dum Dum is hobbling around, and Nick's like, "Hey, you should go back to the hospital, you old warhorse." He's like, "No, I'm not going to do that, you old warhorse." And they war warhorse each other, and then like they get a call that like uh, red alert, you know, we, Sitwell's been attacked, and Gabe's unconscious, and the girl's going to get stolen. He's like, "Hey, well, let's take this this flying saucer, your old warhorse," and so they take him, they take it. And uh, they attack and they come across the scene and it's basically everybody survived that car crash, even though it looked pretty devastating. But Sitwell and Gabe and the woman is being are being put into this giant Hydra tank by Hydra agents. That's the scene that Nick and and Dum Dum come across in their flying saucers. So they start shooting with the cool lasers and stuff. Meanwhile, the new agent of Hydra. Like, they go through a lot of this weird, cool transition. They, like, put all this makeup and skin grafting stuff on him, and they put this giant Kirby helmet on him, and it magically transforms him into, like, the face of an agent that apparently they captured. I don't know if it's that same agent they captured earlier or just a different agent, but they have an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they've captured. And so they've turned the head of HYDRA into that same face, and he gets to do a rocket with a big HYDRA thing on it and goes to the helicarrier... And they're like, oh, Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan, you're back. It's 007, just in time. You need to go join up with these other S.H.I.E.L.D. guys and help Nick. Because Dum Dum was calling and saying, help us. So Brosnan, a.k.a. the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., shows up. And he knows exactly how to take out the tank. So he runs up there and he shoots like this gas pellet inside this little hole, this air duct hole. And they all come out. And Nick's really impressed. And he, you know, back at the helicarrier, he's like, hey, Brosnan. You know, Gabe and Dum Dum are not, or, 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 I was going to say knocked up, but that means pregnant, are, you know, beat up. They're in the hospital. And I need someone to like escort the daughter that we're still trying to escort. So can you do it? And he's like, yes, of course, sir. And he thinks, just played right into my hands. Um, and that's basically the end. And then the next issue is called What Then? As Nick Fury, Nick, Nick, Nick Fury paces the halls and thinks about what would happen if, like, Hydra actually did something too cool for us to handle. And it's like, yeah, what would happen? What would happen? <laughs> I guess we're going to find out. <clears throat> the cover of this issue looks very Storenko. It does. Like, that's his layout for sure. Mm-hmm. But the inside still kind of has a Kirby-esque layout going and kind of. Yeah, and, and there are places where the Storenko faces look really, really good. And there are places where they really, really don't. Yeah, it's still not great art right now. Yeah, it's it's just it's just inconsistent art. And I can tell that like the the Storenko drawings are done really well in places they're not Kirby, they're Storenko. But um but there are also a lot of places where they're just not. Like eyes are warbly and faces are out of proportion and all sorts of stuff going on. Um so for someone who has such a reputation as an artist, it's kind of weird that it's such a rough start. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. I was afraid we were going to have another clip show issue. Yeah. Um, not Strange Tales hasn't done it a lot, but Doctor Strange has done it twice recently. We get that flashback for all the stuff with Laura Brown, and I'm just like, oh, wait. <laughs> but doesn't that remind you that Laura Brown used to kind of be awesome, and now it's like <laughs> she's not even in these plots that are all about her? Yeah. Yeah. It's, they've, they've, it's yeah. weird. This is the second story in a row where she's a kidnap victim. And says virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said, she has one line of dialogue in this. And then she's not even on the panel anymore, really. So why? Like, 
it, it's it's one of the less as less favorable aspects of damsel that stress stories like this you know it's like yeah the the woman has absolutely no agency or role in the story but um maybe next yeah, issue maybe maybe next issue she'll interact with brosnan slash supreme hydra and it'll be like cool or fun or mm-hmm. something we'll see um Sterenko's Nick Fury um on page three, second panel when he stands up from the shave. Mm-hmm. Um that was an example of like, you know, solid straight. I mean it's, it's a small image, but like all he needs is the blue jumpsuit there. That is very much when I think Sterenko Nick Fury, you know, longer face, clean shaven, mm-hmm. square top of the head, eye patch. Suit. You know. Yeah. Just <laughs> I was thinking more debonair, I guess. these guys in the barbershop are the same guys we've seen every time. And mm-hmm. like they're actual agents. And if like the shop was invaded, they'd have guns and they're trained and all that. But then like they have to do his nails and shave his whatever. And then I thought, okay, well, it's a cover. Maybe they're just making it look like a barbershop. But then they're just outwardly in the shop talking about Hydra and shield. And so it's like not much of a cover. Well, so- if anybody walks in, they'll be like, I mean, the shield of um- – <laughs> Uh, you know that that coat of arms that you were yeah. gonna get, Mister. Remember that? But like the guy shaving him, probably thinking to himself, "I'm a freaking colonel for crying out loud." But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Do you feel like the timing's off on all this? Like he infiltrates? Maybe it's just not told chronologically. Maybe he infiltrated five days ago or something. But it can't be because he's watching them. No, it has to be real time because he watches Sitwell's car blow up and he gets all excited. Mm-hmm. And then they give him a new face, and then he flies to the helicarrier, and then he goes down with the crew to help Nick, and all that takes place in like five seconds. It's weird because they're still there, still fighting Hydra. And how did he get into the helicarrier from this giant honking Hydra missile thing? Like he flew up to the helicarrier on this red rocket that has Hydra all over it. Like how did he get in there? Weird. Um, yeah, I'm actually flipping through now to kind of see. How did that happen? Doesn't show. Um, He's just in it. But later, the hide, the helicarrier apparently hangs out in space now, which is new. Uh, or is it new? I don't know. Or at least upper atmosphere, right? But like, how did he? Yeah, just he's just there. And he was traveling to get there in a giant hydro rocket. So that just made me curious. But nitpicking. Yeah, the hydro rocket must have dropped Brosnan off somewhere. Yeah, I Because guess. he then gets to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. You're right. They're, they're just like, hey, you're back from vacation. Good. It's just this, this this whole series lately, it seems like there's like good ideas, but everything's just rushed and kind of abandoned a lot. Like, I don't know. Like, this is third identity in five minutes. Well, if it, if it makes you feel better, we are going to stay with Brosnan for a while. I think the okay. Brosnan storyline takes us up to the reveal of who this person even is. Okay, cool. Um, and it's not Laura Brown's dad. Spoilers. I just assumed it was Bucky, but I don't know. <laughs> You know, whenever they do the um, the wreckage with Sitwell's car, uh, Supreme Hydra says, long shall this day live my memory for more reasons than even you can suspect. And the Hydras are all like, it never has he sounded more pleased. His hatred of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury is like a thing alive. Mm. Um, but then later we're like, all those Hydra guys get killed. He sacrifices his own Hydra agents yep. to pull off his scheme. Yep. And of course, he couldn't tell them that. On page 10, it means nothing to sacrifice my own men. Right. It's Baron Zemo, isn't it? That's who it is. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Well, I'm just trying to think of if it's anybody I should know, but I seriously doubt it. They're probably just going to. Well, it's fun because they are. I mean, 
looking, knowing who it is and looking in hindsight, they are actually dropping non-clue clues. Like they, they're writing this in a way that they know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know who it is, then there are some little things that like have a little bit of extra meaning. But you know who but, it is. Uh, I do. I okay. Do. So without what, telling me, is it somebody that I'm, I could possibly know who it is? Or is it just like one of those, like, we'll reveal a complete stranger in the end of all this? It is not a complete stranger. Okay. So it's Dino Minnelli. It is Dino Minnelli. <laughs> that I can tell you it is. Okay. Well, it's kind of like remember whenever um, number one, I said that's somebody we know and you didn't. Yeah, no, so it is, it is a name and face you'll recognize. Okay. Um, it's not a mindless one from the dark dimension. I, I did like, okay, so Bronson, and this, this is a neat move on their part. There actually is, I keep saying Bronson, Bronson. There actually is a Bronson guy. He was on vacation. Yes. Hydra captured him. Yes. They're holding him in a cell somewhere. Yeah. Giving him bread and water, I guess. Um, so that Hi- Supreme Hydra can take his place in S.H.I.E.L.D., which okay. I think is a pretty solid plan. So it's not that same guy. That guy just died. That's right. The guy that they caught at the party. Remember, right. Remember 009 or whatever? He just died. Mm-hmm. But this is a different yeah. guy that they caught on vacation off camera. Did you notice that Gabe Jones was miscolored on page eight? Uh, no, but that seems to happen to him often. Wait. At the bottom. On page eight? Oh, yeah, I'm, Fury I'm on the has Sitwell over his shoulder and. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Doesn't have Sitwell over his shoulder. <laughs> Sitwell would like that. No, he has Laura over his shoulder. Sitwell's there and, and Gabe Jones is shooting and, yeah, miscolored. Um, I'm feeling a little my, tired of Nick Fury. What about you? No? I don't mean the story, I mean the character. Oh, like having two Nick Fury stories wow. every every month is a little bit weary? Like growing up, Nick Fury to me was always like a guest star in some book I'm reading, right? And it was cool. And it's like, oh, Nick. But now it's like we got two lead Nick Fury things. Mm-hmm. And the guy's kind of a jerk. And it's getting a little exhausting, kind of. like. And I never followed S.H.I.E.L.D. as a comic series. Yeah. And I know that there are later volumes. So whenever I think Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. series, I think this series. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. is like the mystery organization that shows up from time to time. But like the entire dialogue all the time is, hey, I got you a cup of coffee, Nick. What do you want? A blasted gold gold brick and metal, you lunk-headed yeah. It's like, oh my God, just say thank you. I have similar thoughts about the thing. Like Benjamin J. Grimm has a lot of like quirks to his dialogue that if he were a real person, would be like, oh my gosh, yeah. every time. He's really? at least a little more lovable. Like Nick is just constantly aggressive to anybody about mm-hmm. anything, whether they do something good or bad. What do you want, a medal? Okay, we get it. No glory. So page 11, Mm -hmm. Bronson is like, why, yes. As a matter of fact, I too was in a commando squadron. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, not a lie. (gasps) It's McGivney. It's bullying. No. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you it is. (laughs) Well, we were wondering what happened to that guy. Wouldn't that be interesting? But no. It's 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 Eric Koenig. Yeah, there you go. No, it's his brother Walter Koenig before his checkoff days. Hey, oh, it's that one... um, that it's it's the kid they adopted for five minutes. That's who it is. Oh my gosh! It's yes, his dad. That's who it is. It's his dad, Agent X. Agent X. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I think we've probably just guessed way better things than what it really is going to be, but we'll find out. Okay, we'll find out. All right, should we go on to Stranger Things? Stranger Things. I've been watching that show. I've never seen it. Um, uh, we're going to finish season two uh, tomorrow. It's one of those shows weekend. where I, I like thought. I'll wait till it's over. And I don't know why I thought that, but since then I've just been sticking to it. I'm just going to wait till it's it is, over. 
it is a significantly separated story. Like the seasons are complete stories. So okay. you could you could do a season, watch the eight episodes of the first season in a relatively short time, oh. and then let it sit, and then pick it up again later. Okay, and it, it, it'd be fine. Okay, I mean the stories do feed into each other; they do build on each other. But it's like when you finish a season, it is a dramatic end to the story. I kind of don't even know what it's about either, but I've also been fine with that. Like I know it's about Stranger Things and kids and stuff, but that's about it. It's a love letter to '80s kids and '80s horror. Okay. Like, um, you know, like Stand By Me and the, the movies about kids in the 80s that were like, you know, uh-huh. where they were actually just being kids and doing kid stuff you, and everyone loved it. You mean our life? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly how it was, kids. Exactly. Doctor Strange, Master Mystic Arts, Alone Against the Mindless Ones. Stupefying story by Spellbinding Stan Lee. Inconceivable. I don't think he's using that word the way he thinks he's supposed to be using that word. Illustration by Mystical Mary Severin. Legendary lettering by Sardonic Sammy Rosen. So, yeah, if we remember that gal, uh, Umar. Umar, like dumped him into the mindless ones. And he's like, well, I can fly. So he just goes to fly over them. And she's like, oh, yeah. And she like shows him a, there's like a glowing pillar of peril is what he calls it. And it's basically just mm-hmm. like a light beam. And Clea is in it. And she shows that to him. She's like, this is what you have to get to, to save Clea. And he's like, ah. And she's like also bombarding him with stuff. And he had a shield up. But as soon as he sees Clea, Clea, he gets distracted. And the shield comes down. He gets zapped. He falls into the pile of mindless, mindless ones. And they start beating on him because that's all they do. They're mindless and they fight each other or they'll fight whoever's amongst their group. So he starts magicking them. Uh, There's a lot of that shielding and all that stuff eventually she umar takes over the mindless one's mind so now they have like organization on top of being tough and so they start like surrounding him and creating like this barrier so he can't get to clea and stuff and he does more magic and at some point he does something that feeds back on umar and so that's kind of cool but nothing's really oh and then he turns into a mindless one to try and like disappear from her but she's like that's fine i'll just make all the mindless ones fight each other and that includes you so that doesn't work out um meanwhile (laughs) the ancient one is uh meditating and not paying attention to any of this Finally, he like, I don't know what he does, something magical. And he gets out and he flies up and he crushes through the barrier and he grabs Clea and he's like, there you go, baby. I saved you. And she's like, you saved nothing because Clea isn't really Clea. She is another mindless one. And it turns into a mindless one. And he's like, ah, and then next, the death of Clea. And you have that dream whenever you finally catch the person that you have a crush on and they turn into a mindless one right there in front of you. Yeah, that's really bad. Um... All right. Yeah, all right. You know what I was thinking? Like, Dormammu would have just destroyed Doctor Strange directly, right? Like, he was just super powerful. Right. Umar likes to play with her food? I guess she just likes to play with her food. Maybe she isn't as powerful because Dormammu did entrap her for all those years. So maybe she's not quite as elemental as he was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Her her face isn't flamey like his, so. We definitely should take a moment to talk about Marie Severin's debut. Okay, Yeah. Her brother has been in comics for decades and did some good work on some earlier chapters of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I really liked. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, Marie Severin is the bigger name, and we will be seeing her around for a while. uh, She's replacing Bill Everett 
on this issue, on this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now going to be drawing Namor for a little bit longer before he starts to fade away. But uh, yeah, Marie Severin, she's a name that I like to see show up. Well, I wouldn't say she's like a Gene Colan or a John Romita caliber that we've been getting lately. But I do like it. And I really liked the way she was like drawing the glee of Umar's face a lot of times in this. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool, especially like page eight, for instance. Um, so, she has really good face work. Yeah. And, and I think she has a really good time drawing women. Yeah. She was pretty good at that, too. You know, first issue, she'll just warm up into it, I'm sure. Yeah. Just going through and yeah, the glee that she had on page eight, all the face work throughout this issue, almost every single panel is pretty solid. That said, I don't think anybody has topped Ditko's ability or love of these weird dimensional places that strange goes that have no up or down. Mm -hmm. Like he was always very creative with that. He did it a lot to the point where I thought he was maybe being a little lazy sometimes, but it always looked amazing. And these, ever since he's left, we haven't really got that too much. I like how the ancient one looks like a completely unremarkable old man. (laughs) He is just an old man copying scribe work and he just has lots of beard. I wonder why they threw that panel in. It just kind of makes me laugh. Like she checks in to see, make sure he's distracted and not going to help, I guess. Right. Just checking on him. Yeah. You know, maybe to, it's probably to forestall reader questions. Why isn't the ancient one? Yeah, there you go. That could be. You notice her head in this entire issue, and I don't know if this was the case before, but, like, it's got the flamey Dormammu shape on it. Oh, you're right. So, like, they are related, I guess. She just has a normal face. Not, it's not in every panel. No, it's um, when she's it using her power. the vast majority of them. Yeah, when she's, like, using the power. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quickly jump back and see if that was the case last issue, because I don't think so. With the, with the previous artist? It's not on page six, oh. but she may have just forgotten because oh. I think it's the only place where it doesn't appear. Oh, it was in the last issue, but it wasn't drawn quite as distinctly. It almost looks like just a piece of her, like feathers on her outfit or something, the way okay. Everett did it. So she, Mary Severin, is like making it look like actual Dormammu flame around her head, which is kind of cool. And I've honestly never noticed that before. So I, actually, I really like that it's there. It's one of their, their, uh, their gene traits, I guess, family traits. Flamey heads. Um, so, so Doctor Strange rescues Clea. Nope. No, not really. But like, it goes on for a while, and mm. I'm literally reading this, thinking, "How is he rescuing Clea? Did did they forget she was a fakie?" And then, like in the next to last panel, she turns out to be minus one, and I'm like, oh, "Okay." But it was, it was, you know, yeah. little little journey to wonder. You never know if they're going to forget, right? Yeah, and on page... Uh, These things go so long. On page 10, she doesn't speak, and so my gut reaction is to be like, oh, God, here's another, just like freaking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like she's just going to be a victim of kidnapping and not talk or anything. But then it turned out it wasn't her, so it was okay. good. It was okay. She's going to die next issue, though. That sucks. The death of Clea. We barely know Please, her. let it not be so. Maybe it's the death of the mindless one. We barely know her, yeah. All right. That's it. So that's it. That... That felt like just a quick little jaunt. It's cool. I don't through our different different books. Yeah. Should I tell them what to read next time? Are we done with a month or no? No, no. No, we have one more issue. Okay, so that's we will we will we will rate our comics early next episode, which will start with the Avengers thirty six wrapping up November of nineteen sixty six. All right, and then the final month of the year starts with Thor one hundred thirty seven all by itself on December first. 
and then diving into December 8th with Sergeant Fury 39 and Tales of Suspense 87. So um, two Tales of Suspense episodes back to back. Why did this Doesn't happen? Doesn't happen very often. How did there this it happen? is. Oh. I don't know. I'm glad it's Tales of Suspense and not Tales of Strange. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. It's always better. But uh, where can they uh, where can they find us? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com or type makearsmarvel into any podcast app and hopefully we show up. But if not, go to makearsmarvel.com and look for a link to your favorite app or look for the RSS feed to plug into your favorite app. Or you can just play the show right there on the page if worse comes to worse. Uh, there's also links to our Twitter and Facebook. And there's a contact form you can use or write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Mike can be found on Twitter at Kaiser the Great or Instagram playing the trumpet, turns out. That's right. Badly. How's that How's that trumpet going? Well, seeing as I'm still sitting in this exact same chair since the last time I talked about the trumpet. Not well. <laughs> I was going to pretend it admittedly, but sure. <laughs> I know. I'm ruining the illusion. <laughs> um, and I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics with no H. Uh, my shows are also there, all the pouches and image comics podcast and two shows on one feed, uh, return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast at TF UK podcast. Also the home of Dino squad goals, a finite spinoff show with me and my son talking about Jew Ranger, which is a Japanese superhero show, uh, that's going to have a six month run. Um, between our coverage of Transformers Season 2 and Transformers Season 3. So while I'm doing comics on the Transformers show, he's going to be helping me talk about superheroes. So that's all happening over there. You should definitely go listen to everything I do because my ego can't handle it if you don't. Why else would you do it if they're not listening? Right? Right. So please go listen. And until then, or until the Invisible Woman becomes a S.H.I.E.L.D. spy... Make ours marvel. marvel.